0: All right, Gregory uh, this morning read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 through 13, which is a great text, and it's a text that I will be referencing in my sermon, so I'm thankful that he did that. But I'd also like to read for us um, as we start in Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 7. Paul writes I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least, Of all God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and to the authorities in the heavenly realms. According to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and with confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. This uh, section here in Ephesians chapter 3 that we uh, started looking at last week, uh, beginning in verse 2 and then going through verse 13, is a digression. It's a side comment. You know, when someone is talking and uh, they get sidetracked with a comment. Um, this, the way we describe it at our house is that often... Someone will like be on the trunk of a tree and then all of a sudden they're off into the branches. You may not know anyone like that at your house. Um, but, but that's exactly what Paul does right here. He begins in verse 1 of chapter 3 and then he stops abruptly, mid-sentence. In your Bibles, uh, there's most likely a dash after verse 1. And this dash represents the place where he stops and then digresses. And in the Greek language, it's literally just one long rambled sentence. And so many people just skip over this part because it is a digression and Paul does ramble a bit. uh, And they're typically ready to get to the beautiful prayer at the end of the chapter. But, but to me, these verses, verses 2 through 13, what they represent, what they uh, summarize, really is the main point of the entire letter. In this digression, Paul talks about the purpose of the church. And I've summarized this purpose with two different statements that have the same meaning. Uh, and I mentioned them at the end of my sermon last week. And I want to put them up on the board here behind us on the wall. Um, and just leave them there uh, for the rest of my sermon. But here are the two statements. First, our witness is our witness. And then the second one is the mystery of Christ is the ministry of the church. And so both those statements mean the same thing, and they summarize this digression very well. Here in verses 2 through 13. And so with these purpose statements for the church in mind, let's let's pick up here in verse 7. Paul writes, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. Now there are two very important truths about ministry that Paul makes in this verse. And I don't want you to miss them. And so as we're thinking about the mystery of Christ being the ministry of the church, I just want to make sure at the outset here that all of us are on the same page with Paul when it comes to our understanding of ministry. So Paul here says two very important truths about ministry. Here's the first one. First, he says that ministry is a gift of God's grace. To be given the opportunity to minister, to be given the opportunity to serve, to be given the opportunity to encourage, to be given the opportunity to help someone else, Paul says, is a gift of God's grace to you. So it should not be thought of then as a burden. Or a chore. It should not be considered a duty. Or a Wednesday night activity. Paul says it's a gift. Do you think about ministry as a gift of God's grace to you? Really? I know I've not always thought about it like that. In fact, even on my best days, I like to think about ministry as my gift to God. God has has given me so much and done so much for me. And ministry, anytime I get an opportunity to minister or serve or help someone else, it's just my little gift back to God. Yet Paul here says that ministry is, in fact, God's gift to him. Man, that's really good. I, I needed that perspective this week. Ministry is a gift to me. and That simple tweak in perspective... Is a game changer. And then second, what Paul says in this verse about ministry, the second truth is that it's a work of God. Well, that's really good news too. Paul says, I'm a minister of the gospel through the working of his power. Do you hear what he's saying? This means ministry is an opportunity for God to work through me. Now, this is a truth that it's taken me a long time to learn. I'm a a really slow learner, but I'm finally getting it to a degree. Because ministry is a gift for sure. I I can allow my perspective to go there. However, the truth is, anytime we minister, anytime we serve someone else anytime we come alongside someone else and help them it requires work it comes with responsibility whether it's serving whether it's teaching whether it's mentoring whether it's helping whether it's leading all of these actions require work and come with responsibility but what paul says here that's so good and i have to remind myself of this Every week, as I do ministry, is this. God won't give me the responsibility without also giving me the capability. God will not give me the responsibility without also giving me the capability because what Paul tells us here is that ministry is the work of God. Ministry is the work of God, His power working in me. Paul says, I'm a minister of the gospel through the working of His power in me. And that's a really important truth to recognize. Both of these. Ministry as a gift from God to the church And ministry as the work of God through the church. And recognizing these truths, recognizing this reality, leads Paul in verse 8 to this sudden outburst of amazement. It just floors him here. It brings him to his knees that God would choose to use him for such ministry. You know, I think Paul spends his whole life utterly amazed that God would choose to use him for ministry. While some of us might consider ministry to be a tiresome task or a reluctant duty, Paul could never get over the fact that God chose him for ministry. Listen, he uses one Greek word here to describe himself uh, in this verse. Uh, In the NIV 84 here, it's translated as less than the least. But he forms this word by taking a comparative and adding it to a superlative. And so it's literally translated as most least. It's a very unique expression. And this is not false modesty. This is true humility. Paul Paul felt like he was the most least deserving for ministry. Not just the most least deserving of all the apostles, but the most least deserving of all God's people for ministry. And I love this word because he's saying, you know, it's okay for you to think you're uh, the least deserving too, just as long as you know that I'm the most least deserving. And I want to just push pause here for a second because if you're listening today and you think for some reason you are undeserving of God's grace, if you're hearing my words today and think that you've just done too much, you've done too many terrible things, You have failed one too many times to ever be used by God. When you hear the good news of the gospel, you think there is no way that God wants to minister to me, let alone wants for me to minister to someone else. If that's what you're thinking this morning, Then Paul is saying to you today, bring me your resume. Paul says, I am the most least deserving, and yet God's grace was given to me. Unpause. That was free. So, the specific ministry, as we jump back in here, the specific ministry given to Paul was twofold, and it's found in verses 8 and 9. Here's the specific ministry that was given to Paul. First, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and the second part is to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. This was Paul's ministry, to preach and to make plain. To preach about the wealth of Christ and to make plain the mystery of Christ. So it's about wealth and it's about mystery. Two great sermon topics. Intriguing topics. Topics that everybody wants to know about. Inquiring minds want to know about wealth and about mystery and this was his specific ministry first was to preach to the gentiles the unsearchable riches of christ listen we are so wealthy in christ so wealthy But it's important to note, so that you're not confused, that Paul's not talking here about worldly wealth. It's not about dollars and cents. The gospel is not a message that if you just follow Jesus, he'll make sure that you have six figures and a big house and drive nice cars. It's not that kind of wealth. The word that Paul uses here to describe this wealth, it's translated in some versions as unsearchable, other places as unfathomable. But perhaps the best translation, since we often think about money when we hear the word wealth, is incalculable. I can't even say it, but it's a great word, incalculable. It literally means that it's a kind of wealth that cannot be counted or calculated it means that you can't pull out a calculator and put in the numbers 100 plus 200 it's not that kind of wealth and it's not incalculable in the sense that there's just so much wealth that you can't even begin to add it up that's not what paul's saying It's incalculable in the sense that you can't put a price tag on it at all. Because the wealth of Christ includes things like the forgiveness of sins. The wealth of Christ includes victory over death. The wealth of Christ includes reconciliation with God. And you cannot calculate those things. There's not a price tag. They do not equate monetarily. They're incalculable. This wealth of Christ, and it was the ministry of Paul to preach about this wealth that we have in Jesus Christ. And he saw it as his specific ministry to make plain the mystery of Christ. So to preach about the wealth of Christ and to make plain the mystery of Christ. You know, it may just be me, but I really like uh, the translation, to make plain. Because for me personally, the best preaching helps make this plain to me. When this can be made plain... And, and that's what Paul sees as his ministry, to make plain the mystery of Christ, to, to, to help us to understand what the mystery of Christ is all about. Now, Paul's already used this word, translated make plain, one other time in Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, where he says that, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened... That's the same word. It literally means to to bring to light. I mentioned uh, last week that the mystery of Christ is not something that we can know through our own investigation. It's only something we can know through God's revelation. And so Paul has received this revelation from God and it's his ministry to make it plain. To bring it to light. And so, in verse 6, he stated the mystery of Christ as plainly as he possibly could. He makes it as plain and as straightforward and as concise as he could possibly make it. This mystery, he writes in verse 6, is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are made heirs together with Israel. Gentiles are made members of one body together with Israel. And the Gentiles are made sharers together with Israel in the promises in Christ Jesus. Paul is shedding light Paul is making plain the mystery. For ages past, it's been kept hidden in God. It's as if God has kept this mystery on the top shelf for all these years. And now, through Paul, God has moved the mystery down to the bottom shelf so that we all can get to it. And this is the mystery, that through the power of the gospel which we've talked about in Ephesians chapter 2, through the, the destroying of old hostility, through the creating of new humanity, through the reconciling with humility, the Gentiles are going to be made members of one body together with Israel. That's the mystery. It's not going to be the Jewish Christian church on the north side of town and the Gentile Christian church on the south side of town. The Gentiles are going to be made members of one body together with Israel. It's a new revelation that God has given to Paul so that he can make it as plain as possible to everyone. Before the cross, Gentiles would have had to become Jews. But now, Gentiles do not have to become Jews, nor do Jews have to become Gentiles, but both are to become members together with the other in one body. And specifically in verse 9, Paul writes... That he wants to make plain to everyone the plan for making known the mystery. Another translation says the strategy for making known the mystery. God has a plan for making known the mystery of Christ. God has a specific strategy in mind. And this is so good. God plans to reveal the mystery of Christ. Are you ready for this? Through the church. Verse 10. His intent was that now through the church... The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and to the authorities in the heavenly realms. You see, God's strategy is for the church to be the means for revealing the mystery of Christ, not just to the world, but to the heavenly realms. I think this is one of the most amazing things that Paul says about the church and all of his writings. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. Make note. Read and reread. And here's what he's getting at. Let me try to make plain what Paul's saying. Back in Ephesians chapter 2, I, uh, I talked about the parabola of salvation. Well, here in Ephesians chapter 3, I want to talk with you about the circle of mystery. Although it would be better to say it something like, the circle of mystery. It's perhaps the most powerful statement of the reason for the church's existence. Here it is. In the past... The mystery of Christ was kept hidden in God. The mystery was revealed to Paul by the Spirit. Paul was then given the ministry to make plain this mystery to everyone so that through the church, this mystery could be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. Do you see how that forms a circle? From God to Paul to the church and then back to the heavenly realms. It's remarkable that God chose to make known the mystery of Christ to the angels and the demons through the church rather than just telling them directly. Right? First Peter tells us that angels long to look into these things. And rather than just tell them directly, it was passed from God to Paul, from Paul to the church, and then from the church back up to the heavens. The circle of mystery. And you know, it makes me think about uh, that old telephone game. I would play it when I was a kid, and you'd form a circle, and the first player would come up with a message, and then would whisper it into the ear of the second player, and then the second would repeat to the third, and so on, we'd make it all the way around the circle, until it'd get to the... Last player, and then they would announce the message to the whole group, and it was always hilarious because the final version would be some garbled version of the original, and everyone would always get a big laugh. My question for us this morning is this God has revealed this mystery to Paul who made it plain to the church. And so the question then, is the church making known the mystery of Christ to the heavenlies? Or instead, is it just some garbled version of the original? In other words, is the mystery of Christ the ministry of the church? I love what N.T. Wright uh, has written about Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 10. Uh, He's a theologian, author. Here's what he writes. He said, The reason for the existence of the church is for the rulers and authorities in the heavens to be confronted with God's wisdom. Not through what the church says verbally, but rather through what the church is visually. Namely, the community in which men, women, and children of every race, color, social, and cultural background come together with one another in glad worship of the one true God. The word in verse 10 that Paul uses to describe this wisdom of God is translated in the NIV 84 as manifold, and it literally means many-sided, or many-colored, or many-splendored. It's the same word used in the Old Testament to describe Joseph's coat. It literally means the bringing together of many colors. You see, the church is to be a multi-racial, multi-cultural, multi-generational community that comes together as one like a big, beautiful bouquet of flowers. Its members come from a wide range of colorful backgrounds. No other human community resembles it, and it exists. The reason for its existence, according to Paul in Ephesians chapter 3, is to be a visual model of the mystery of Christ and of the wisdom of God to the heavens. (laughs) And you know, the crazy thing is, the churches that Paul wrote this letter to were in most cases these small house churches Located in the region surrounding Ephesus, groups who probably thought they were quite insignificant in the grand scheme of things, yet Paul reminds them of their cosmic effect. In the text that Gregory read for us earlier, Ephesians chapter 1, 9 and 10, Paul states the mystery is to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment. And here's the mystery at the end of verse 10. This mystery, which is the good pleasure of the Father, which he purposes in Christ, and he plans to be put into effect when the times have reached their fulfillment, here it is, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. There it is. You see, everything is supposed to be together. Yet sin causes everything to fall apart. People who should be one, people who should be together are apart. There is war. There is division. There is disease. There is death. And it's not supposed to be like this. Everyone is supposed to be together, yet sin causes everything to fall apart. And how will the world and ultimately the heavens really see that God's end game is to bring all things in heaven and all things on earth together with Christ? Through the church. through the church our witness is our witness the mystery of Christ the ministry of the church let's pray together father what a what a text what a vision for the church This circle of mystery that we're a part of. It's amazing. What a gift. We're thankful to know that this is you working through us. It's only through the working of your power. And so, I pray, Father, that we can be a people here that make known not only to this world, but to the heavenlies. The mystery of Christ. Pray this for the glory of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together this morning and worship Christ together.